Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Beyond Limits. Expanding minds. Opening hearts. Connecting into oneness. Join us for our next episode. Welcome to Beyond Limits. I'm Reverend Larry DeRussia, and the other person on the other side of the mic is Reverend Lee Wallach. And we're continuing our discussion about meditation. Whether you're a spiritual seeker, curious about spiritual practices such as prayer or meditation or yoga, this is the podcast for you. So, Lee, here we are. Are you ready for uh, another discussion on meditation? We did a discussion on meditation in episode two. It's kind of a a light overview. And uh, I think we wanted to get in a little deeper into some of the things such as uh, postures and props and sounds and that type of thing. So maybe you can lead us off and, and talk about what is meditation since there are so many varieties of meditation and what would the average person need to know about meditation? I, I think, Larry, that simply meditation is about developing focus. I think it's about building a one focus idea, whether it's on the breath, whether it's on a mantra, whether it's on a candle flame, but it's actually bringing the mind into one focus so that all the monkey chatter that's running around gets really slowed down. And when that happens, there's a clarity that comes that new ideas can come in, but most importantly, there's an inner peace that happens. Because when you slow down that monkey wheel, oh my God, the peace that comes in is incredible. Yeah. So it's it's a concentration and focus of what? What are we focusing? My idea is, let me just share an experience I had. My wife and I started last uh, August 1st, and we were doing Dr. Joe Dispenza's guided meditation on clearing the energy centers. Well, you know, it really wasn't a meditation. It was a guided visualization. And so I said to my wife, I said, let's, let's take this, get serious. And so what we did this morning is we did 30 minutes where she and I did a form of Vipassana. And Vipassana is simply being the witness. And in this case, it's being the witness to our breath. And so we literally sat in the silence and we focused on the breathing in through the nostril, the breathing out through the nostril. So we were putting our focus on the inhale, the pause, the exhale, the pause. And so by our focus being there, and Larry, you can't do that more than maybe five seconds before your mind goes, takes you off in a direction, but you keep bringing it back and you keep bringing it back and you take control of the ego. So the so the issue is you were doing a guided meditation uh, as or guided visualization as you would say with Joe Dispenza, 
And now what you're doing is a Vipassana, which is a focusing on the breath in and out. Yes. Correct? Yes. Got it. So the, so the guided meditation is also confusing because so many people do guided meditations and they don't get the results of what they think meditation should be bringing to them. So Vipassana and some of the others, a mantra, the breath work, whatever it might be, there are, there are different focuses such as uh, mantra is a focus on the mantra or the sound of the mantra to get you into that space or move as I, I, as you said, and I would say it's to move us into the witness or into the awareness of what is. And, and then there's healing meditation. And this is always confused me because to me, meditation has always been uh, like we just said, it's a bringing in the silence in its ultimate form is bringing in the silence and being a witness to the silence. And then we have what's, called healing meditation. And Dr. Ernest Holmes with the Science of Mind talked about healing meditations or healing prayer, and they seem very similar. Um, what's your take on that? I've got a couple points on this. Number one, when I hear and, and discuss Ernest Holmes and healing, I hear we're speaking words into the law, into the infinite mind that my body is whole and perfect, that its natural state is in homeostasis, and that I'm commanding that into the power that creates. So I'm literally reprogramming my mind to see health instead of disease. Now on the other end of the coin, going into simple stillness in quieting the mind, well, when you slow the chatter of the mind down, you bring your mind out of a stressful state into a state of balance and its natural state then of the mind is to heal. So you can go both ways. In fact, when I did my healing, I did both. I would get into the stillness to relieve all the stress. And then I would speak my word through spiritual mind treatment or affirmative prayer about the condition that I desired to be in as if it were already now. Right, got it. So it's two sides, like you say, of the same coin. They're approaching it in, in different ways. But the idea is to uh, clear the mind and state what is that you want to create. And the other side is moving into the silence where the power moves through you to create the health that's already there. Yeah, because when you're in the silence, there's no distraction for the mind to go to other than to bring itself back to natural healing because that's our natural state right yeah because all of the stuff the feelings and things that we've stuffed down over time has changed our perspective on the world and what we see is a version of what we're interpreting through our ego structure and that may be uh unhealthy so we're clearing out all of that feeling and stuff, or we're not necessarily clearing it out. In the meditation, we're, we're moving above it, above it, right? So we're moving yes. above it, and that, that allows us to move into a state of healing. Now, at some point, we need to talk about how we're going to move all those feelings out of there that have been stuffed down over a long period of time, because those come back to roost as well in the body. Yeah, I have an individual that's been a part of my life for a long time. And they were, we were on a, a spiritual call, a coaching call. And they were asking me, why haven't I been able to demonstrate? And, and I just keep focusing. And I said, it's because you're focusing on the fact that you don't have it. Mm 
And I said, you've got to go quiet your mind, go into meditation, ask the question and trust that that divine wisdom within you will bring you the answer. That call was two days ago. This morning in meditation, this answer just popped out of nowhere because she finally trusted that the wisdom would come and she got the deepest insight that she would never got in psychotherapy in any of the sessions she's done with all these other modalities. She opened her mind to her own wisdom through meditation. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, powerful and it, and it just goes to prove that our beliefs are very powerful. It's everything. Yeah. So the mantra meditation has always fascinated me because there are so many different versions of mantras for one thing, and they all have a different sound and they all have a different, some of them have meaning. And as we said in the last episode, uh, a lot of them don't have meaning in terms of the mantra itself. Some are very short. They're one word. Um, some are very long. I have one, which is a phrase. It's a Sanskrit phrase. I have no idea what it means. Uh, I was never told it was given to me by Ama. And, um, I just recite that when I begin my meditation and as I'm going into the meditation over a period of time, it begins to fade away. And then I move into that silence and I've done a number of different mantras as well. Um, there's one with the seven names of God. There was one with just one particular word. They all seem to have uh, the same goal in mind, which is to focus the awareness uh, into the silence and let go of whatever the, you know, the, the committee in my head has been talking about for the last umpteen hours. And that's what I love about meditation is I start in the morning and do the meditation where I can move into silence and sit with just the silence and do the same thing later in the afternoon. And you know, what's really interesting is that having that my wife and I have changed our routine in the mornings now, we started off a little differently and we started off with some really deep breathing. Just because we had just woken up and we were taking in really deep breaths, very consciously and letting them flow, letting them flow. And that oxygenation really causes the mind to calm down. And then when you let go and you go into silence, it seemed to me to be a much easier journey. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure you're right because the oxygen is a big part of it. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the practice that I do, which is to do some yoga, 20 minutes of yoga first, is to open up the body um, after I've done my shower in the morning early then I do the yoga meditation practice where I do the yoga. And then I go into uh, an internal guided meditation for myself. And then I go into the, br the breath process. And uh, so it's a, it's a little bit of a hybrid. But um, I know that, you know, there was a time when I was doing two hour meditations and two hours is a long time to do a meditation. And I found out listening to an old mentor, Alan Watts, that he was talking about the rosary and the beads. And he says 108 beads on the typical rosary or on the typical mala beads. If you go halfway, he said, that's 40 minutes. 
And the way you get there is each bead is a breath in and out. And he said, if you're just breathing naturally, when you get halfway through the beads, you're at 40 minutes. And he says, that's about as much time as most people can sit in a meditation uh, without their body reacting to it. And I, try, I tried that this morning. And he was right. I was a little off. I was at 50 minutes, so I could tell my breathing was a little slower. But isn't that fascinating how they use the beads for that as well? Um, I'm a bead guy. I love the mala beads. Um, and the thing that I've also noticed is that if I'm walking my dog or I'm driving the car, I'll have my mala beads right next to me. And I'll be doing my affirmation as I'm going along. And what happens is my mind is not thinking. So I'm not in analytical mode. I'm not analyzing. I'm not caught in that giggle loop of over and over thinking it because my focus is on the mantra or on the affirmation that I'm doing. And then you come out of that and you feel magnificent because you're in control of what your brain is focusing on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I've watched um, people have the bracelets and they use their bracelets like the uh, swamis around uh, Ama talk about, uh, you know, doing their, they're doing their mantra all the time. They're using the bracelets or they're using their beads and you watch them walking around, even while they're talking and see them moving the beads. It's fascinating. And it's powerful. I, I, I'm with you. I like the idea of doing uh, affirmations with the beads. Uh, it's a real focus and clearly moves the affirmation into a state of being, which then can create if that's what we're looking for. It was fascinating. About a year and a half ago, I was in uh, Tibet, Nepal area, and I went to where the Dalai Lama's palace used to be. And it's this huge, beautiful, 14-story, magnificent, like almost a castle. And then when I got done and I came down, I was waiting on the outside. And all around this huge thing is this, like a, I would say like a track, except it was all dirt. And all of the people there, the Nepali people, they were walking around with their beads. And they're doing Om Manapati Om over and over and over every single one of them was doing it and what was fascinating is as i looked around there were thousands of people here and i'm looking around larry i was the only caucasian in sight and um all of a sudden this guy walks up to me he's got his mala beads he looks older than dirt i mean just older than dirt his hair's all matted down. He's got his sun wrinkled face. He's got dirty old clothes. And he walks up to me and he gets like six inches away. And he's got his beads going and he looks at me and he just stares into my eyes. And I stared back into his eyes and then I smiled. And he smiled. And then he took my hands. And I remember the beads were in one of his hands and I was holding his hand with the beads in it and he had my other hand. And the next thing I know, he shot like this electronic current went right through my entire body and he smiled and he just walked off <laughs> i have no idea what happened but i'll never forget it for the rest of my life undoubtedly <laughs> that's a pretty amazing story i'll tell you, uh, that reminds me and i this may be a little off track but it reminds me of the the buddhist monk that i met at the parliament of world religions in salt lake city and uh, everybody was in the main hall and I was coming in late and I was coming up the ramp 
And as I was coming up the ramp, there was the the Tibetan, I assume he was a Tibetan monk, coming down in the saffron robes. And he stopped. And as I'm walking up to him, he's watching me. And he looked at me and I was looking at him and he just said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And he smiled and then he walked away. And I thought, <laughs> now, where did I meet this guy? And then later on, I was telling somebody this story, another uh, monk, this story. And he says, oh, he was just acknowledging a past life with you. <laughs> went, oh, okay. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> Yeah, but he made an impression on you, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't forget it. Yeah. <laughs> so he became, and I've had an experience of uh, past life with uh, seven guys uh, that I had started a company with out of Chicago. Uh, we, we were handling the Joyce Brothers, Dr. Joyce Brothers uh, media group. And we all got together for this dinner and we were all sitting around this long table and I flashed at sitting around on the floor in saffron robes uh, in a, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but a meditation chamber. And I, every single one of the people that was there was sitting at that. And, and I thought, well, that's fascinating. Now, I wonder what that really means. And I talked to each one of them separately, and all of us liked mountains. All of us loved Tibet. All of us wanted to go to Tibet. And all of us were mountain climbers of some kind. So <laughs> I think we may have narrowed it down right there. Mm -hmm. but, so the, and that's another thing we'll, we'll get into. Another topic I want to get into is past lives and what that really means. And, and uh, that's a that's a long topic along with the Akashic records, but let's talk a little deeper into meditation in terms of postures. I know uh, sitting in a chair is one because I've had to do that in some of the Vipassanas that were very long, um, but I do cross-legged right now. I don't do it with the, with the soles faced up as the, I, I think I'd have to start at about two years old to do that. Um, tell me why the spine needs to be straight. My understanding is that there's the, the main energy centers of the body start at the crown of the head and move down to the bottom of the spine. And when it's when you're sitting up straight, the energy is able to move up and down your seven chakras in a much smoother fashion. And so when you're sitting there and you're and you're in that meditative pose, the energy is flowing freely. So it's much easier to go deeper into the state of meditation because there's no energy blockage by that. But if you're slouched over and that type of thing, that physical change of posture can cause the energy to be blocked and you're not going to have as deep a meditation. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I understand that. I also feel like I don't I, I don't do it rigidly. I do it kind of just to get it as straight as I can. But uh, I also feel like uh, it grounds me more. Uh, I feel like I've got a grounding into the earth and I'm stable because I leave my body too many times. Maybe my body needs to feel more stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and I've talked with yeah. all sorts of people and they all say there's no exact position. But the one thing they agree on is don't meditate lying down. And the reason they say that is because lying down, your mind associates lying down with sleeping. Sure. 
And meditation and sleeping are very different things. And so meditation is, and they also say not only being in the posture, the same posture, I sit in a chair as well, Larry, because I can't do the thing for long periods of time. Um, when I do Vipassana at the silent retreat, I have all these pillows that I prop up my knees to get myself into a position because you're there for an hour and you cannot move. And yeah, exactly. but, but when I'm in the chair and I'm comfortable with my back straight, I can be there for an hour, hour and a half without any problem. And I can be there without moving because I get, I've gotten to the point where I lose track of my body and I'm not feeling what my body's feeling. I'm out of it. Right. And because I'm out of it, I'm not getting, I don't have that need to move around and that type of thing. But the gurus have all said, sit and be comfortable. Sure. However it is. Yeah. It, it, the, the object is to allow your body to settle in, obviously, so that um, as you go deeper in meditation, your body just leaves you alone. Um, and, and we've all had the experience of, you know, the moments that we're starting to meditate, you know, you get an itch above the eyebrow or, you know, your leg wants to twitch or something. Um, and so it's, being comfortable is important and being straight. Let's talk about some of the other things in terms of sounds, because I know mantras are a tone and they have a vibration to them. And the, the main mantra that's talked about is Om as the perfect mantra and the sound of the universe. Um, in terms of sounds, one of the things that Alan Watts used to talk about was uh, to start your meditation as a beginner is just bring all of the different sounds in so that you incorporate them into your meditation. Um, I never found that very effective for me because Neither the sounds kept... They, they they were like distractions constantly and my mind would flit over oh what's that and then it would label it and then i'd judge it and i'd go oh wait a minute i'm thinking of the sound i need to be back thinking of that uh, paying attention in the meditation the mantras were a bigger help for me um what do you think as a beginner who's looking for meditation what what would you say would be the best way to go because most beginners are not going to have mantras but they could use OM, right? Exactly. I think they could use OM, and I'm going to give them a mantra right now. I'm going to ask okay. them just use the word Shreem, S-C-H-R-E-E-M. It's a Sanskrit word. I have no idea what it means. But a guru in India, if it, if it has any, but a guru in India gave me that. And when I focus on that, and I'm sitting, and I'm in my mind, I'm going, Shreem. You can feel there's a vibration of that word. And when I start getting in harmony with that vibration, there's this inner peace, this sense of calmness that just comes back to me. Hmm. And, and I realize that we're a frequency. This body that I am is a frequency, and sometimes a frequency gets out of whack. And if a, a mantra has a certain frequency and you start saying it, your body comes back to that frequency. And you can tell if it's working or not because of how you feel. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the other thing is I've, I've done um, Srividya. Srividya is a set of mantras that you have to be, you're supposed to be initiated by a guru. And there's a whole bunch of these mantras that you do. And each mantra is for the purpose of opening up one of your seven energy centers 
or one of your seven chakras. Okay. And when you've done it, when you've done it for a period of time, you can feel that you're open. You can feel that energy flowing quicker. And when you're doing it, you can feel where are you feeling blocked? Oh, I'm blocked in my heart center. No, I'm blocked in my solar plexus. No, I'm not blocked in my root chakra, wherever it is. Right. And then what, once you're done, there's a natural flow. And once you've got yeah. that flow, you're in peace. Yeah. So we have a little bit of time left. And uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention was incense, because oftentimes people wonder why incense. And, uh, you know, the sense of smell is the most repressed of our senses. And it's in interesting that smells bring us back to certain events. Obviously, throughout our life, we've had that that kind of experience. And smells and the incense and the type of incense that they use will bring back a sense of peace or security or sacredness. It reminds us of something that's already within us. And I know walking into some of the Buddhist or Hindu temples, the, the number of incense sticks that are going are amazing. I mean, they're overwhelming for me at some point. Uh, what, do you, what is your experience with incense in terms of meditation? I'm just going to be very candid and honest. My wife has a very sensitive nose and will not allow me to use incense in my home. So I don't have an experience of incense. It's well, just that simple. Grow up Didn't you grow up Catholic? And you know what? I love the incense that I used to smell during the Catholic services. Yeah, the frankincense and myrrh and some of the others that they use. Oh, I go right into a state immediately when I go, if I walk, when we were in Europe in August and we walked into some of these huge cathedrals and the priests were going around with the incense, man, it took me right back into a state. But do yeah, I have any explanation? I didn't, I didn't grow up Catholic, but the same thing when we were in the cathedral in Chartres in France. Uh, and they were walking around with the incense. Boy, I, I felt a shift in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've uh, um, run out of time and we need to move on. We're going to do our, our next episode is going to be on spirituality and relationships, which is a big topic right now. A lot of people are asking questions about that. I finished a class on that on Tuesday uh, night. So um, if you're prepared for some great questions and uh, want to get into this topic of spirituality and relationships, join us in our next episode, episode four. And Lee, we'll see you in episode four. I look forward to it, Larry. Have a great day, everybody. Welcome to Podcast Studio 1A, where they're taping the next episode of Beyond Limits, expanding the mind, opening the heart, and connecting into oneness. How was that? Is that a good take? What? Oh. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.